Hello and welcome to The Games Press, a podcast series in which I talk to interesting people from across the games media about their work. Today's guests, Paul Owens and Paul Leathering, are both founding members of Two Player Productions, a documentary crew best known for their work following the development of Broken Age at Double Fine Productions with their documentary series Double Fine Adventure. Well, that is until now, because honestly, I think they've just published the single most impressive look inside a game's development that I've ever seen. It's called Double Fine Psychodicy, and over the span of 32 episodes, 7 years, and in total more than 20 hours of video, they've now taken us along with them to witness the highest highs and the lowest lows that come with Double Fine creating its latest game, Psychonauts 2. I don't really know what else to say here other than this is the best documentary work I've ever seen when it comes to video games. Honestly, it is. So much happens, not all of it good, and you get the sense watching this series that two-player productions are giving us, their audience, the opportunity, or maybe the responsibility, to watch it all unfold and then make our own nuanced judgments about the messy, human things we're seeing playing out in front of us. Tensions build, people get fired, people quit, the future of the studio is in jeopardy, there's a global pandemic, so much stuff happens. Seven years is a really, really long time. Now, if you haven't watched the series yet, I'd highly recommend that you do before listening to this podcast because we'll be getting into the weeds a bit here. And again, I just think it's so, so good. You'll love it. Trust me. Uh, You can find it on the Double Fine YouTube page. Make sure you start with part one, which might be a terribly obvious thing to say, but there's just, there's a lot of videos, never mind. And before we jump into the interview, I'd also like to say a big thank you to Loading Bar for their continued support of this podcast and all the work we do at People Make Games. They run at one, not two, but three gaming bars in the south of England with venues in Hackney, Peckham, and best of all, Brighton, which is where I live. We've got a pier and a beach. It's great. Can visit. And when you do, stick your head in Loading Bar and, and, and I'll see if you like any of their board games or play a bit of Mario Kart or something. Uh, they've been supporters of ours since the very start of PMG, which is nuts. And yeah... Thank you to them for that. And now, here's Paul Owens and Paul Leathering from Two Player Productions. Welcome to the podcast, Paul and Paul. Hey. The two Pauls. Thank yeah. you. Honestly, I have been talking about Psychodicy. I've been like injecting it into every conversation I've been having over the last week. Like, we know, we know. I mean, <laughs> Okay, so I want to um, uh, start with a question that I'm, I'm sure you must be sick of answering at this point, but I think it's good context to, to start for the rest of the interview, which is, so the, the two of you and Asif have, have just completed this incredible thing. I, I don't think I've ever seen such a, a vulnerable, candid look at, at game development. It's exceptionally good. Um, the reason I feel that way is because it's, it, it's such a warts and all documentary. Like the people that we watch, we get to see them in all their states, it feels like uh, in their, their best moments and their worst, like people fall out, there's tensions, people leave the studio, not always on good terms. Um, there's, yeah, it's, it, it feels very, very human as a result. And it's because you're able to include both the good and the bad. However, the two of you and Asif are also employees of Double Fine Productions, like the, the company that you're documenting. So how does, how does that work exactly? It's always been like a, an issue of like mutual respect and i think that we wouldn't be a double mm-hmm. fine for as long as we have been if we felt like we we're being treated uh as we were by like other jobs that we've done in the past for like marketing contracting stuff because mm-hmm. i think that um we uh the, the whole point of us like working together and doing what we do um we would never do anything that went against our values 
And it's really difficult for actually um, for us to just do plain marketing type material. I think if you look back, even at our older stuff, um, we always kind of strove for something that was very authentic and real. And um, those opportunities, uh, as we got more recognition, they actually kind of started to dry up and it became harder to find people who are willing to like want to embrace that. So when we found Tim, um, we met him through our Minecraft documentary. And um, I was just, I was really inspired by his Amnesia Fortnite uh, thing he was doing at his studio. I just thought that was so cool. And I loved his approach and how open he was to like wanting to teach people about games and just kind of like share all this with everybody. And I think that when you see that we have all this um, period footage of Tim, like shooting around the office with like a handy cam, it's like, mm-hmm. it takes a certain type of person to care enough to do stuff like that. Like this is like Tim's um, home movies, essentially. Like he really wanted to just tell the story of everybody involved making these games. And, you know, when we met, we really just shared that strong feeling about trying to be honest about this stuff and that by sharing it, hopefully in the long term, we start to make um, the industry uh, more comfortable with sharing in general and help, like, inform the people who are watching this stuff, inform the people who are playing the games and sort of just give them more educated opinions when it comes to how games are made. And, you know, hopefully that increases like the quality of discourse overall, but I understand that it's like a, a long process and this is just, you know, a drip in the ocean, but it, it just feels nice to be working with somebody who we can sort of share values with and make sure we're doing something that feels like it's for the betterment of everyone involved. Tim also has that story about how he, when he was a kid, he didn't know that people made games really. And he just sort of like figured they were made by super smart people in some lab somewhere and, you know, far out of reach of everyone else. And once he got involved, he realized, oh, these are just people like me and, you know, anyone can do this really. And so, I mean, I think that's important to him just showing like, you can do this too. And why not get involved? So, although after the doc, I don't know if people really want to, I mean, some people might not be so into it but the the idea of, of of trust there is is really interesting like the trust between yourselves and the studio and, and tim in particular and, and what that relationship is like but also the trust with the the audience as well because you it feels like just an unbelievably vulnerable thing for well double fine itself to put out basically because it re- it requires the people watching to obviously have empathy for the, for those involved and 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 the nuance to understand that yeah people are flawed and uh, make mistakes and and yeah they, they react differently to that like high pressure environments what what do you think the feeling inside the team including Tim and yourselves like is to is to like making yourself that vulnerable to uh, to allowing for example the a lot of people as you you reference one of your episodes hate tim schaefer because of gamergate bullshit and uh like there are people out there that want to you know see him fail uh, i don't know if i don't know how widely spread that is today compared to how it was but it was awful and th- that's going to be applied to the studio as well like what were the nerves like in terms of putting something out with this much heart but this much vulnerability vulnerability in it uh got that one paul no i don't know uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's complicated. I mean, I did, sometimes I don't even know how I feel about it because it's just like, on one on one hand, it's like, wow, I can't believe we did that. Wow, great. On the other hand, it's like, mm -hmm. God, I can't believe we did this. This is any <laughs> anyone could you know someone could watch it on the internet and have a totally different take on it, which is kind of frightening. You know, that's kind of the scary part is that by not explicitly telling people like, here's how you should feel right now, or here's how you should think about this person or that thing. It's almost like we're leaving it up to other people, just people on the internet to decide. And it's a little scary doing that because we don't know what they're going to think. Yeah. Yeah. With the, the way that like Broken Age went, we were so excited about Broken Age and it was this huge success. And we're making these episodes and we're putting them out and we're like, mm -hmm. oh, we're, we're just going to tell everybody like what we're doing, like in the moment. This is, this is so cool. And um to be fair, it's like, I think the vast majority of people reacted really well to that. Mm -hmm. And like people, a lot of people really loved it, but the people who um, had like a bone to pick or some sort of an agenda against Tim in the studio um, really used that to sort of just like fuel their fires. And it was, it was, um, it, it causes like pretty intense confusion and anxiety in you as a creator, because you're like, uh, I did this thing that's like really to me it's like super honest and clear yet somebody is still like super angry about it and kind of misinterpreting it and twisting it and it's like mm -hmm. no that's not what that is like no like you're that's you're you're wrong there uh <laughs> that's not what we meant to do and you can't stop that from happening and um, it grows to be pretty terrifying because you know that like no matter how hard you try or how authentic you're attempting to be it's just not going to land for some people and um, as terrifying as that was, it had to be something that we just had to get over because when you mm -hmm. step outside of yourself and you look at the world as a whole, um, it kind of applies to everything. Um, so you got to think that it's just not your art. It's a matter of um, society and it's something that you don't have any control over. And if you let yourself get too sucked into that, you might stop creating anything. You know, you can't be afraid of the bad things that are going to happen because I think when it comes down to it, those things are small. They just happen to be so loud. They can really get inside your head, but you have to really be aware of the amount of good that you're doing as well. And all the messages that we see from people who get inspired to get into games or um, really empathize, have empathy for like double fine and like build strong connections just by watching this stuff. It's like, that makes it all worthwhile. I think. And um, um, what, what's that reaction been like this time in comparison so i think uh at least from an external point of view it feels like that sort of frenzied gamergate adjacent response to to what happened to the episodes before um that feels like that may have changed hopefully in 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 the years since or or quietened to an extent or been drowned out by more positive voices hopefully but also there's something that's very different this time around with psych odyssey which is that it makes look it makes game development look extremely challenging and like at times emotionally draining um and so that there's a whole different dynamic this time around like how how would you compare the responses i know it's early days for you guys it's it's such a it's 22 hours right and it's only been out uh for a few days now but how are you feeling about the the reaction so far compared to dwarf Fan adventure it's crazy because i mean making it we're just like god this is great isn't it like this is going to be so interesting for people but you don't really know what people are really going to think because mm -hmm. when we look at the frames we're seeing 
years of stuff that's not in the doc and all the stuff that didn't make the cut or what we know about these people, our own interactions. And so it's hard to look at and be like, is this actually good or is it just through our eyes? It, it feels like it is. So didn't actually know. We had a sense of like, people I think will dig this. But so far, I mean, I haven't seen anything negative at all. And I've looked at literally like every single thing that's out there just because I like have nothing to do with my life anymore. So it's <laughs> like looking at all that stuff and yeah, I'm just surprised that, I mean, people are scared. Some people are scared, <laughs> but uh, it seems like people dig it. Uh, I, I've kind of said before that like I uh, detached myself from thinking about how it would be received. And my primary concern was that it just came out because like, the longer you work on something, the bigger it gets, the more important it becomes to you, the more terrifying the idea of it falling apart in some way becomes. And it's like, maintaining the technology just like getting all the people together to work on it like making sure that we actually finish this thing we poured so much time into and I, I didn't even give myself like an allowance to think like are people gonna like this when it comes out it's like yeah. I, no it's, i'm just gonna think about is it gonna come out like that's the most important thing and the fact that it's been so extremely well received is um it's like the most gratis gratifying thing you could imagine it's just like oh wow like we accomplished this thing that seemed impossible and people actually really like it too like that's difficult to fathom we'll get back to this later on uh in the chat but oh my god do the two of you sound like some of the folks you interviewed <laughs> right now um the, to go back to that um that relationship you described between yourself and and tim and how how core it is to this thing working in the first place um, I think Tim is one of the more surprising parts of Psych Odyssey to me, I, I think. Um, he reminded me a little bit of the President Bartlett thing in, in The West Wing, in which like there are these two sides of his personality, in which like on one half he's he's joking around and he's like your fun uncle, and then the other half he has to be like the the leader with something colder there as well and and trying to figure out which one he's being uh, in different moments can be challenging and um yeah and in fact that that very issue i think some people do find very challenging to work with him on and you you just come out of the, the documentary um seeing him for something quite complex like a a incredibly talented and inspirational person but also like a flawed leader as well um and he's also your actual boss right so like yeah. what what did he make of of that ending up in the the series and like how uncomfortable is it showing him a cut of like something you're working on where like he doesn't come across that great he never brings that up i mean ever like really? his own it's kind of the one thing he never really even touches he's more concerned with other people really so I don't know. It's it's weird. I always think like he's going to be like, guys, can you not 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 have this in because because of this or that? And it's just like mm -hmm. to his credit, like he he doesn't touch our stuff. Like he basically leaves it up to us. And the way he frames it as we're like showing the company is like, hey guys, two players made this thing. It's just like you know a game Lee Petty would have made or you know anything else that comes out of the studio. Like let's all watch it and you know we can tell them what we think. But this is their thing. And, you know, let's, let's all talk about it, but no, he's, he's every, you know, I give Tim, you know, all the credit basically for having this thing. It wouldn't, it shouldn't exist basically. Were you ever asked to, to 
cut anything or were there any difficult conversations to do with? So, for example, there are, there are at least like a couple of meetings that are referenced um, in the series that the cameras aren't allowed inside of. But did that uh, ever extend to like you did film something and then there's a discussion around whether or not that should actually be in the, the final product? You definitely got a little iffy around the bad meeting that is in episode 27. Yeah. But ultimately... Mm-hmm. He was okay with it, but he definitely did the Tim thing where he brought it up many times and was like, do we want to, do we want to? <laughs> and then we, I guess we convinced him or just time went by and he forgot. How did that end actually, Paul? I don't really remember. Well, you, you know, there, there's a lot of um, concern about that meeting, rightfully so. Like it was the most intense thing that we've had like on camera and everybody was upset. We were mm-hmm. upset and it was kind of like, um, I thought that if we cut it out, it would do a disservice to the evolution of the studio and the way that uh, mindsets at the studio were shaped, the way that the culture was shaped. And um, it because it's like, you know, there, there's stuff that happens. And if you cut it out, then it doesn't really make that big of a deal because it's not impacting the overall story. But this like shaped the way that we approached production. Um, I'd like to think it shaped the way everybody thought about crunch and what that meant, mm-hmm. what that word even means. Um, and it kind of resulted in, well, I don't know if I'd say that it, it coincided with some people leaving and it's like, as it's explained in the doc, it wasn't actually why they were leaving, but it just happened at the same time. So then it would have been kind of like, oh, these people just disappeared because, you know, you can't really separate all these events cleanly and then, then it starts getting manipulative if you're trying to do something like that so to cover up something that was like that impactful I, I felt like it just needed to be in there and you know we tried to handle it as like sensitively as possible and as respectful as possible for everyone involved and um you know there's still people at the studio who are like worried about it but i i think that overall we can now see that people have been extremely respectful of it as viewers and um, all the feedback I've seen is that people just have a lot of empathy or have actually gone through similar things themselves. It's, it's not like sure. an unheard of thing happening at other studios too. Yeah. So that this is the meeting in which the topic of crunch sort of comes to the, the forefront and one of the uh, programmers, Amy Price, mm-hmm. um, like is sort of leading the charge on trying to get the studio to take it more yeah. seriously there's an altercation between between her and, and Tim and, it, and it's just very emotional for everyone involved. Um, uh, was that the, would you say that's the part of the documentary that, that, that you and, and the folks at Double Fine were like most nervous about opening up to the world? Like is it, or, or is anything else that kind of stands out as, um, what was the top of your list? Like I, I, whenever we put something out with people in games, I, I'm always terrified that we've got something sure. wrong uh, or that we've misrepresented something. And I always have a, like a list of things in my head of like, okay, as long as like uh, this lands as it's meant to, or like this, the, the reporting on this was solid. Did, did you have anything like that going on um, yourselves? I mean, I guess like people, people watch the doc and they respond really well to all the dramatic things that mm-hmm. happen. But like in a lot of ways, I kind of wish a lot of dramatic things didn't happen. Because it does cause you to be like, I've got to try to be true to this thing. I've got to try to be true to these people. I've got to try to treat them fairly. And it's like, God, I just I wish that these people weren't upset. I wish they weren't leaving. Because we have to like handle this in the story now. Like I, I don't 
I, I, I don't produce or like come at this media and think like, Oh, look at all this, this bad shit that's happening. This is great. This is really great for the doc. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, no, it's like, I kind of wish it just wasn't happening at all because <laughs> making a game is hard enough. And I, I feel like all the um, emotional turmoil, I, I wouldn't mind not having it happen. I, I kind of wish everybody could just work together and be happy. So it's always like stressful to see that stuff and think about how we're going to have to um, present it. And, um, you know, Paul is uh, one of the best editors in the world, I think. And I couldn't imagine somebody being able to handle this stuff with like such care and um, concern for everyone. It's really important. It would be great if, if, if there was no drama and it could have just been a 90 minute comedy about making a game. I mean, that would be, that'd be fun to make as well. <laughs> Something I, um, I joked about on, on Twitter after finishing the, the series was like having to remind myself that I hadn't just watched something that was fictional, that I, I hadn't watched something about characters. Like I, I really had to tear myself back from like, oh yeah, when that crazy thing happened between like that person, this person, like, yeah, like, oh, wow, that was such a dramatic episode. We fall into that as well. I mean, it, it's hard sometimes, and but sometimes the storylines work out like they feel like they are written, you know, where it feels like mm-hmm. this, the, what happened to this guy was so poetic or look at how he started and where it ended and sort of like look at this friendship that just got broken on camera. And it's just like sometimes it feels like it is fiction because it's just some some brilliant writer somewhere is coming up with all this stuff and just like, and now a pandemic's going to happen. And it's like, oh shit. So much happens. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. So much fucking happens throughout <laughs> the, the course of yeah, it. So it, it does feel like these are just, you know, you're editing it like any other movie, you know, and it, so you have to remind yourself these are real people and it gets really hard, especially over quarantine where you're not actually seeing anyone else. And it just feels like this footage is magically appearing and it's weird. It's real weird. I wanted to, um, whilst we're talking about these kind of dramatic character moments, I suppose the 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 big one that will stand out to people is the build up to the firing of uh, Zach McClendon, the project lead of Psychonauts Two. And I, I a huge credit to to you. Um, I felt like I came out of those episodes with so much empathy for everyone involved. Um, which is, yeah, a, a difficult thing to do considering the topics it touches on. At least as a viewer, you you can really uh, relate to the fact that Zach's coming in with this management style and focus that that is is clashing head on with with Double Fine's culture. But then his the job he's been given is seems really really difficult. Like Tim doesn't even seem to particularly want to take it on afterwards either. How how do you feel about that that part of the the documentary in particular, like the build up to what ends up being someone asked to leave the studio. Like Paul says, it's definitely you don't relish having to do something like that. But it's like if if we're making a doc and we're dedicating almost a decade of our lives, we have to show it because without it, there's no doc. So once you sort of make up the decision, like, okay, we have to be honest with this and show this as well as we can. And just the, that one was definitely the hardest episode i think to do and it took the longest there were a lot of different versions there was a lot of like trying to make it feel right and it's tough because everyone has a different point of view and i think it was just like okay does this you know because paul and i are there for every single meeting so it's like 
basically the doc is our point of view and what we experience. So mm -hmm. really it's just getting it to the point where it feels like, okay, this feels like how it felt in the moment. This feels like what was happening. Here's what we think is important. Here's each side of the story. Can we be more fair? Like, are we being, are we being too easy on this person or that person? It's just, there's a lot to mm -hmm. think about, but you just have to so, make decisions and move on. And I don't know, Paul, what do you, what do you got there? Oh, it's like, you know, um, so much like the doc is based on our presence, right? Because we're not, we're always in that room when the cameras are rolling, but we're not in all the meetings and um, we don't get everyone's experiences and something that we won't really, or something I don't think that we should focus on in regards to like our story or the thing that we're trying to do is stuff that we didn't see. Um, yeah. I always feel like we need to focus on what we actually have on camera and even if that's not everyone's experience, because people have other experiences off camera, but if we were to get into that stuff, um, that feels potentially messy. So it's like, yeah, that's you know, kind of like a ground line. It's like, well, it's like the stuff that we're talking about, can we back it up with footage that we actually have? And it's like, yes, and we stick to that. I don't know if this is what you're referring to. I heard Jason Schreier guest on the MinMax uh, podcast the other day talking about uh, in, in relation to what happened with Zach that some some stuff did happen off camera obviously including like maybe shouting matches between him and, and other employees at, at the studio is is do you know if that's true is that what you're referencing of like or would you rather just not get into that well, it's just what I can say is that like what we saw is what's in the dock and um what you see and what you hear can be two different things even from the same person that's in the same room or two people in the same room can tell you slightly different versions of the same story. So it's it's really important for us that we're there um, to see that stuff. Have you spoken to him since the the piece has gone live? I imagine so. Well, I, I, in fact, you see parts of it that you you've, you're able to share cuts of the documentary with people who are still at the, the studio, particularly towards the end of the project. Um, have you spoken to him about about the series? We yet? haven't. No, I actually haven't seen him since. I haven't talked to him since we uh, the interview um it's in right. the, the documentary i think the last time we talked was when he asked me what he could do better or whatever that line was that part yeah um yeah. that that i thought i thought that question was absolutely heartbreaking the yeah the, to see someone who i mean really it's uh well never mind yeah go ahead say what you're gonna say <laughs> oh just just, just to see someone who in in that position who like the communication issues have got to such a point that, that he He's asking like it's a little tragic that he's asking us to around. be honest because we're yeah just some assholes hanging out and he's just like guys <laughs> so yeah that that was just because but I mean I think it just makes him more human that he's that he needed to know these things and maybe it's hard to step outside yourself and really see mm. how people perceive you and true yeah. I think that's that's a good example of, of something I wanted to ask you about, which is, yeah, to to what extent do you think the action of filming the documentary changed what happened in front of the, the camera? So, like, there are some more obvious examples, like Tim loves joking around when you guys are nearby. Yeah. <laughs> like, he likes to reference the cameras. He likes he makes jokes all the time anyway. It's fun. I'm sure he likes that they're all documented and preserved for all time because you all forget the amazing jokes. Exactly. Yeah, but on on a broader level, did did you how often do you feel did you feel like your presence there um, 
was was changing. I things. mean, cameras just you can't help it. They always change the dynamic. They always change how people feel they're acting or you know. But I mean, I can't confirm this myself. There's no way for me to say like this is what happens. But mm -hmm. what I've, what I've heard from people is that they forget the cameras are there and they just don't even think about it. Like Tim's just like I don't even notice them anymore. You know, and like I don't, I really don't know how you get there. I, I've never been the subject. I've only been behind the camera, so I have no idea how that could happen. But people tend to say like, "Oh, you guys were here. I didn't, even, I didn't even see it back there. I forgot. I don't know why." And then during interviews, I mean, it's almost therapeutic in a way. Like it feels like you know, they talk to us for an hour and a half, and they walk out being like, "Oh God, I feel like I got a lot, a lot off my chest." And like, you know, that goes back to the trust thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything on that stuff at all? I've, I've taken a thinking of it as if people have like a pool of mental uh, resources that they can draw from for like a, at any given moment. And, um, you know, a percentage of that is taken up by being aware of the camera. But by, by mm -hmm. using that percentage of your, you know, resources, then you can't focus as much on the technical or creative dis discussion that you're supposed to have. So the anxiety about the camera ends up just getting pushed out of your mind because you're like, I've got to focus on this professional thing that I'm doing. And I can't give the professional thing just like 90%. I need to give it a hundred percent. So even, even people who are kind of shy of the camera, it just kind of, they don't have the space to be anxious about it. Like right. once like a meeting really starts rolling. And I, I think that people just kind of get used to having them around because they can't afford to sacrifice that level of like emotional energy to the camera at all times. And yeah. I, 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 you know, I'll talk about like, I feel constantly terrible about kind of like what we do and the fact that we're sort of intruding yeah. on all this stuff. And it's like, it's very shameful for, for, uh, yeah. kind of thing. Like it definitely <laughs> makes you feel bad making documentaries i don't know how else to put it but uh it's just, i'm just, just making the, everything harder on yeah, everybody the constant invasion of privacy uh just makes you feel uh bad about yourself on a daily basis so um i feel i feel that way about journalism yeah. um more generally it, it feels like a like a it is a somewhat extractive um profession sometimes like and you it's good to be like uh thinking about that um and yeah, the, the ethics of it, I suppose. Um, you mentioned that people, uh, yeah, eventually sort of get used to to the camera's presence. I think it's um, more us, though. I think it's more like, oh, that's just Paul and Asif, or like, that's Paul and Paul. They're not thinking like, those are the cameras. They're like, oh, I'm looking at Paul when I'm looking in the camera lens, you know? So how often are you filming? A couple hours each day. Well, not every meeting, but it's like, okay, we got, okay, there's a couple of meetings in the morning, a couple in the afternoon, and it's sort of like looking like, okay, we should probably get this one because it kind of was pretty heated last week. We'll see what happened there. Or like, okay, this one, it seems like it's going pretty good and we could probably just do an interview later. It's, you know, you make choices based on what's happening, but, you know, mm -hmm. you tend to get like on average two hours a day of like, here's a meeting, here's some B-roll, maybe an interview. It feels like by the end of it, you can sense uh, the familiarity between the people on camera and like the friendship, or, like inevitably, I guess, in some cases. Between us and them? Between between you and the other people you like that you're documenting, but also you work with at yeah. Double Vine. How difficult is that to to manage? You like, yes, you're there to to film the the lifespan of that game's development, but also like, I'm sure you like some of the people and hang out like and work. You're not just completely siloed off. Um, in his office in some vacuum from everyone no, else. It's, um, 
it's like the Christmas lights in the closet of journalistic, you know, uh, <laughs> ethics. Because <laughs> we're not, um, you know, yeah, we have like a lot of care and compassion for all these people. We're friends with mm -hmm. a lot of them. And um, we're not trying to tell some sort of impartial story. Like we are invested in them. And um, I sort of argue that there really isn't anything that is truly impartial. It's kind of impossible. It's all just like a spectrum of um, mm -hmm. the person who is making that thing. Like nobody can ever really be completely detached from something. And um, they, they, they trust us. And, you know, I want them to trust us because it's our goal, not necessarily to make them look amazing because that wouldn't really be real, but our goal is just to make them look real. So that includes the good and the bad. And I think if people see themselves on camera doing something that they feel bad about, um, it sucks that that's in there, but it's usually part of their like personal journey. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I, I feel really, I shouldn't have said that thing in that meeting. It's like, oh, but you know, this helps me grow as a person. And like, I'm going to try to do better. And I can sort of see like how I changed over the course of the project. And, um, a lot of people that feature heavily are, you know, we, we see them grow and change as people. And it's like pretty important to stay authentic to that. Yeah. I, and to be clear, I didn't mean that as a, um, a judgmental no. question that like you would be completely no. inhuman not to develop friendships with these people spending that amount of yeah, time. I think it's kind of just like telling their story basically and trying to be responsible about that. Um, like after we were finished, Kichi, one of the programmers was like, oh, thank you guys so much for like telling our story so well. And it's just like, okay, like it's not about like these individual moments. It's like, okay, we, we got the story right. So um, what has, uh, I asked you earlier about the reaction from outside, but like, what do you think the team makes of it? Like by and large, obviously it's different, different. people are going to have different, <laughs> all different. Yeah, feelings. All different for sure. Yeah. I mean, we did, um, yeah, we, okay. we did show it to everybody before it went out, of course. And um, yeah, just a spectrum of uh, reactions. Um, there's yeah. definitely like some hesitation about should we even be doing this? But um, a lot of people really excited about it. A lot of people thinking it was great. Sure. A lot of people thinking that we should have done things differently. Um, but, you know, we, we opened ourselves up to that just to sort of get a feeling of like, um, how are people going to react to this? And uh, getting actually like useful feedback from the subjects of something doesn't, it's not quite the same as just showing it to like somebody who has no prior relationship with the project. So um, it didn't really give us a sense that like the documentary was going to be well received in general. It was just kind yeah. of like, well, right. this is how the subjects of it feel about it. Yeah, literally no one in the world will it will have those feelings about it in the same way. It's like uh, when you read read the book and then you go see the movie and you're like, oh, what the hell? They changed this and they left that out? Like, that was all. And it's just like, you know, as like someone who lives it, you watch it and you're like, well, you didn't, you left that part about how I made that thing. It's like, that was like, it's like, well, yeah. I guess we didn't get that. Um, that was six months like, of my yeah. life. You just, <laughs> yeah. you just cut right over it. Yeah, yeah. So it is yeah. kind of like that where people go in with this whole like 400 page novel in their mind and then they see like the scaled back, you know, 30 hour version. I'm not sure how many hours are in eight years, but it's probably a lot. But uh, <laughs> so it just it's not all there. You know, it just can't can't all be there. Just add to, add to the pile of stuff that we feel bad about is yeah. just like, <laughs> well, like, oh, this department didn't get covered enough. 
it's like yeah. yeah no they didn't like that's um we we shot a lot of stuff but like we couldn't fit it all in and i've like said before i feel like if you wanted to cover everything it'd just be like more episodes and more years of our lives like making it and you mm-hmm. have to like you got to find that core story and stick to it eventually and you can't just let things totally spiral and it, it just sucks to a lot of people don't get the recognition they deserve for like their contributions to the game mm-hmm. but um I, I don't know how we have everything in there yeah that is the sad part it's just like the people that really contributed a lot and it's like ah oh, okay just we just didn't get it you know or like people that we were planning on speaking to and then the pandemic happened and then it never really occurred you know it's just like you feel bad about that like peter mcconnell someone who when i play the game i'm like i feel like wow this, this is there's so much about the music in this game and it's contributing so much and we barely have him in there so i planned on talking to him but it just didn't happen because of yeah world events. audio audio team audio team in general like audio not in there team. enough QA, not in there enough. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of programming, not in there enough. Like animation, not in there enough. <laughs> it's, it's so much stuff goes into making a game and there's so many people. And it's just like, it sucks to walk by somebody in the hallway and be like, Ugh, I I should have given you more time in the documentary, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. And you never know how much people want want it anyway. Some people are like, I'm sorry you didn't get in there. And it's like, oh, thank God. No, no, no. You, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And some people True. are like, guys i worked really hard like why the why isn't this represented in this you know it seems like there's room it's like uh one reason or another i don't know maybe we were barred from that meeting maybe this or that i could have been out that day who knows so there's a lot of reasons speaking of of uh the idea that the documentary could change the events of of the thing that you're you're recording obviously a member of your team as if like at some point joins the development of Psychonauts 2 that first. Bastard. Oh my God. <laughs> Kill him. No. Watching it, you, you it clearly feels like, you know, you're seeing someone chase a dream that they have. Um, but it did make me wonder of like the, the pressure that then puts on uh, two-player productions. Like, was it a difficult thing to navigate like what this means for the the series itself in terms of production and and like you've just lost 33% of your, I know Asif worked on the, like the, the continue to work on the documentary throughout the game's development, but obviously split focus there. Like what was, what was that like to navigate for, for the team? You know, I mean, in, in terms of the shooting, I, I think our shooting style didn't have to change that much, honestly. So I feel okay. like it, it was actually a really good thing to have Asif in front of the camera because he was just such a compelling character and everyone loved that story. And there was just so much potential there that it worked out so well. So like, it's hard for me to really hold it mm-hmm. against them at all. Like, cause it's been so great, <laughs> but honestly, just the way we approach the shooting is just like, so simple, minimalist that not having a second cameraman, I mean, basically Paul took over anyway, and we kind of automated the audio a little bit more. So we kind of just shifted stuff around and it wasn't that bad. Actually. We, we, we did other things at like double fine as well. And, um, when Asif, I think Asif would like work on trailers a lot in the the time in between us shooting. It's like, there's still like hours in the day and Paul would edit. Um, and then like Asif starts learning Unreal and he starts like integrating into the Psychonauts team. So then like, I got to pick up doing trailer work and right, that was something I thought was fun. And it's like, I liked mm-hmm. having that opportunity and the chance to sort of step into a role like that. And then um, I did miss like Asif during the, post-production phase it would have been nice to have like those extra hands 
but um That's we cool. ended up having a really great like post-production team of um like steve jenkins who does our post-production audio and um <clears throat> working with uh like orange drink on the music and renat who we hired who had been like help out with the editing help out with the editing and he'd been like um, a huge support to us uh, he'd been working on subtitles for years and just kind of <laughs> always been like a, a big fan of the documentary and the work that we were doing. And we got to hire on this person who ended up being like an incredible asset to the production workflow and just moving from subtitles to like, he edited the last episode of the series. He did episode 32, which is hour, half long. Wow. God, that's a, yeah, that's a huge. Outrageously important. And um, mm-hmm. he, did, <laughs> he did a recut of episode 12. Like he did like work on some other episodes, but like when um, me and Paul gave him this responsibility it was did he work on it for like six months or five months it was at least six months yeah it took a long long time he was super stressed out about it and we were constantly just being like it's gonna be okay man and he finally hands us the episode and it was like perfect (laughs) (laughs) it was like it's like I was getting ready to give him notes, and I was like, "No, I just watched the whole thing. It's really good." <laughs> I think I think we might have had like th- like just a handful of notes on that hour and a half long I, thing. So. I added the January sixth. Oh thing my god! The only thing I, the big thing I added, just to keep the whole like sort of background world events motif happening. That was that was really useful to have those events pop up from time to time, just to get, like give a sense of how much time has passed across yeah, the yeah, series, I, like when. Like, yeah, when the Trump election is referenced, like I was immediately transported. Oh my God, I th- I'm thinking of this as like something so much more recent because the game came out only recently. Like, yeah, it it snapped me back each time. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, you'd reference something outside of it. Yeah, I think it's meant to kind of just like the viewer's supposed to be like, shit, where, where, was, where was I when this was happening? Like yeah. 2016, wow, that was okay. And it kind of like paints a little picture in your mind of like, shit, I was living here and doing this when david bowie died okay and now this is where we're, we're at in the dock okay crazy so it was a good way to just keep track of like mm-hmm. all the world events and just let you know where you're all, where you are in the story so a, a, a lot of the the probably the most prominent feedback we got from the team after showing them the dock is that people were concerned that they lost track of time and they felt like they didn't understand like where we were in like the production or we would jump forward a bunch of months and um it was kind of like, well, you know, it took us eight months to do this thing and you cut from the beginning to the end of it and all that stuff right, in the middle sure. is gone. But I think that like to the casual viewer, um, like keeping track of all those dates in your head just becomes like a distraction. And um, mm-hmm. this idea of sort of organically seeding it throughout the series is just these little reminders in the background or seeing the building next door, like get built and yeah, yeah. And, then, and then like closing for COVID, like stuff like that. It's, feels like it's more effective and less like intrusive than having mm-hmm. um a constant like you know january 8th you know yeah, 2 45 p.m all, all the time <laughs> well I, I i absolutely felt like i'd watched something that had spanned over yeah seven years by the end of it like that that feeling certainly isn't lost the um yeah we mentioned it a few times but in terms of world events that that may have cropped up during um psych odyssey 2 like the the fact that the pandemic hits is is absolutely massive for the the studio of course it happens at what feels like such a bad time um i feel like they respond very well to it but like awful timing um as they're approaching yeah i mean they're basically hitting one their of the final for the sprints. first time yeah. on the whole project they're mm-hmm. like oh my god things are going well 
and then that happened sure. and that was i mean in the moment that was like fucking i mean even just a normal person couldn't believe what was happening it was like shit this is happening yeah. in the dock and we're getting all this this is it it made me uh think about the uh, because in the in the series it happens uh yeah right towards the end um and the filming in the studio had been such an important part of the experience of watching it for a bunch of reasons like the aesthetic of it reminds you of how like creative and fun um and aspirational a place to work double fine can be and then obviously so much of what you do is is uh capturing people's interactions with each other sometimes you you there are a bunch of moments where you expertly kind of focus in on a small kind of human reaction or interaction and and it it informs the the viewer so much of the the feeling of what's happening and then suddenly you lose access to all of that um overnight essentially obviously that was extremely difficult for you you to navigate as the the crew documenting this but like what was what was that like just the losing something that had felt so integral to to the whole story man at first we didn't really know exactly how to proceed because it was just sort of like we had to not see anyone and stay inside mm-hmm. and there were all these other ramifications that were happening so but i mean once the zoom thing you know it's sort of a matter of like okay is this going to work if we just have like zoom footage and like some mm-hmm. iphone footage and like is this going to actually translate and but i think just running it through like the two-player filter it still came out like just feeling like another episode almost like it felt like oh this, okay this works i mean we have to get a little creative here but it, it honestly was a nice thing because we've been doing this particular thing for so long that it was like okay here's a new challenge and like a new new way to like kind of move the series as it's going into the final act of it so i think it ended up being a good thing although i think we're excited to move on from that now and never do another one of those yeah. episodes ever again if it, yeah absolutely if it weren't for like um double fine being made up of the particular type of like goofball that it is like everybody has like some sort of humor in them and it's encouraged by the culture of the studio. <clears throat> and that would like present itself as like weird zoom backgrounds. And I, I think that like the act of like watching all this stuff where it's just heads in a box for, you know, what ends up being like probably over two hours of total footage. Like if it weren't for those zoom backgrounds, I think it would have been a lot harder to take. Cause I think it actually like visually breaks up the image and it gives you something that's constantly kind of amusing or surprising. And um, it goes a lot further than if it had just been like people standing in their rooms. So I think we sort of just lucked out with, again, like Double Fine's culture and it's true. They just, it just can't stop it being entertaining. And like, that's how everybody wants to act. And it's particularly how they deal with like a lot of stress and pressure. And, you know, Tim was always trying to maintain like a feeling of like fun and um, togetherness at the studio. So we were always doing these like events on zoom and trying to get everybody to hang out and talk to each other and just really encouraging a sense of lightness to help get through these extremely, you know, difficult, stressful times. Yeah. I I think you're you're right. I hadn't quite realized how much difference those virtual backgrounds have, because I think some of the first shots when people are first getting established and maybe aren't as used to using zoom as well, like, it's so strange seeing these people who are usually surrounded by color, like next to a wall in their spare bedroom with like maybe a picture on it, if you're lucky. Like it's, uh, but also the, I, I really liked that in that 
the episode that you you include the Zoom UI, uh, you know, you're not cropping it to just be the, the video of the, the people speaking for the most part. And it, it, as literally everyone watching the series went through some version of, of like having to adjust to the pandemic and, and, and communicating virtually, it, it brings back so much of that. Like, I, th- I think some of the comments on that video are like, um, yeah, talking about the, the weird feelings that summons up in the viewer, just having gone through that yourself. It is weird because it is, I mean, I think we were pretty aware that no one had really depicted this, you know, we hadn't really dealt with this in a way, like mm-hmm. as, as you know, as people, the, this weird, th- weird thing that we all went through and yeah, seeing it happen on screen, I don't think we've really seen it yet. I mean, I think people probably don't, didn't want to really, probably didn't think they were ready to really see that, that area, era depicted. So it's a weird feeling, yeah, seeing it again like that and just like takes you back to that moment where everyone was so uncertain about everything and it was mm-hmm. yeah it's complicated yeah it rem- reminds me a, a little bit of this was a short a much shorter um development cycle and it wasn't done in-house but that when no clip did the hades uh series where like the pandemic does hit um and also it it similar to to what you experience, like if you spend that long with the team working on something, just weird stuff happens. Like mm. the studio gets broken into at one point um, and like a bunch of instruments are stolen. And yeah, the, I think I just, like I said earlier, just so much happens in, in psych Odyssey. It's, it's unbelievable. Like what spending seven years with, with a group of people working on something that they really care about looks like. Um, in fact, I, maybe this is a, a interesting place to um to have some ending thoughts on which is that maybe my biggest takeaway from all of 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 watching the the series is is just like how brutal the development of psych Odyssey, of, of uh, psychonauts 2 was <laughs> and i think i was maybe spoiled my question there um and just how even though this is a, a a game that people really care about and there's a team of people that really like each other for the most part and all this love and enthusiasm is being channeled into the game like it is so difficult and draining at times and yeah you you feel at the end of the piece that there's there's a lot of pride for the the work but also a relief that it's finally finished that i think is it is it james uh that says uh how it the, working on something for for multiple years when you keep feeling like you've only got four months till the end, like is just, it, it inflicts some kind of (laughs) mental damage, I think. Um, and yeah, you, you guys work at double fine and you, but you're also on this project for just as long, if not longer than some of the people that you're documenting. How have you felt coming to the end of it? Like this was, this must've been so much larger a project than you could have imagined you were starting. And yeah, you went through all those same challenges uh, and all those same curveballs as the rest of the, the team, um, just from a different perspective. How do, how do you feel now that it's out? It's complicated the same way it is for the team, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, it's hard to even really separate my own personal memories from what we filmed versus what's in the mm-hmm. doc versus what's edited, what's not edited. I, you know, I've told people I feel like I'm stepping out of a time vortex because mm-hmm. you spend years looking at the same moments in time and um you just kind of forget like uh that'd be like color grading a meeting from like you know five years ago 
And it's just like, you know, I'm just looking at these people. It's like, oh, five years ago is a really long time. And like all, all these things just kind of turn into like one big ball inside your head that are all like mm-hmm. right, you know, simultaneously all squished up. The idea of linear time sort of disappears, even though it was something that you lived through. It's almost like your brain gets um, mixed up or rewired through the process of like finishing all this stuff. So um, just to finally be like done with it and thinking about what we're going to move on to next. Um, you know, people talk about like getting hit with like depression after finishing something. And I, you know, I'm not that I'm glad that it's done. And um, I don't have any desire to do anything longer than this ever again. Cause that just, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, we we've kind of consistently covered double fine for 10 years now because i mean to me this is a continuation of the broken age like the double yeah, fine adventure yeah. we haven't stopped since we started doing that and there's like amnesia Fortnite and all that stuff it's sprinkled through there so yeah we're, we're going to keep working with double fine and whatever we do next i hope it's going to be like um shorter more concise you know less of a again these spiral. are things that are said these are things that are said by the interview subjects at the end yeah. of your work. I mean, the thing is, um, the, the one thing I noticed is just how fast time moves and how, like, it seems like the GVR stuff early on was like only yesterday. It feels like, you know, it feels like in some ways we just started the doc and we're in that period. And it is weird to double fun. I feel like time moves really quickly there just because it's such a great place. And, you know, you're having so much fun a lot of the time. We didn't show all that fun, but, uh, so time like takes on a weird, weird meaning. Yeah. And it, it speeds up a lot. And you look back on, you know, eight years ago, it's just like, yeah, that was just yesterday, really. You know, that was, but that was like my entire thirties, you know, so. True. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a documentary get across the feeling of game development so well before. And I, and I think, um, a huge part of that is that you were one of the few documentary crews that have spent like games take so long to make now. Like it's becoming increasingly common that that uh, game development cycles can be like you know five, six, seven years in some cases, uh, which is an unbelievable amount of time. And and you, your project took just as long. And I th- I think a lot of documentary crews that are going to come in externally, and even if they're lucky enough to spend months with a team, they can't ever hit that feeling. Um, and actually, on on that note, it reminds me of a a podcast uh, or an interview I I listened to with with Jake Solomon, the uh, lead designer on um, the XCOM series. In fact, he's just left Forexis recently, and that though the games that he's been working on have taken a huge amount of time. And I think it led to a question of like, well, how many do you think you've got left? And do you think about that? And he sort of crumbled in a funny way uh, that he was playing up to a little bit in the interview. But like, yeah, if you were doing seven-year projects from here on out, how many would you even uh, have left to do? And, and where do you prioritize, like, where you should be putting that energy? I guess you've already answered the question that you would, you're you looking forward to doing kind of smaller things uh, going forwards. And and are you committed to that being a, a double fine for the, the foreseeable future as well? It's like, are you, um, you think there's more stories to tell at that studio and, and uh, more that you want to do. Yeah, like I said before, it was sort of like when the GVR stuff was getting starting to start. It was like oh, something, something's happening. We should we should film this. Something something's going on. So mm-hmm. it's really just a matter of if we get that feeling again, where it's like 
if something big is on the horizon here and something could happen, then we'll look into it. But for right now, I think we're looking forward to just doing smaller stuff at Double Fine, like a little more community mm -hmm. focused and less stressful, less big. Sure. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, I love Double Fine, you know, it's just like such a great place. So they'd have to, they'd have to really fire me really to get, to get rid of me at this <laughs> point. I think they'd have to make me leave. So, you know. That's a very commendable thing, having spent so much time there and having, as we've talked about, seen the studio at its best and its worst, that you can, that's the feeling you have, um, I think says a lot. We shot stuff. I mean, before we joined Delphine, we were independent for 10 years. So we've been a lot of places yeah. and can see like, uh, you know, this this place isn't for us or this place is. And it, it does feel like there's something about Delphine that just seems like a perfect fit. What What studio would have allowed us to do something that is like a even like the double fine adventure, it was like a career defining moment. I was like, Oh, this is the greatest accomplishment I've ever had in my life. Like I'll never get to do something like this again. And it's just like, woof. Wow. <laughs> so lucky to have been able to have that experience. And then, you know, um, double fine and Tim would turn around and be like, well, here's that opportunity again. Sure. You can do it again. You can do it better. And it's like, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you absolutely did. Honestly, it's, I found it just so completely inspiring. And yeah, as I said, at the beginning of the, the podcast, I just have been injecting this into every single conversation I've had Don't about stop. anything, honestly, like, more people yeah, so hear about it. I will try to do that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and talking about it. You, it's amazing. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, even I, I'm part jealous, part like just in awe, <laughs> part terrified of what you've done. And uh, yeah. Be thankful just... that you just got to watch it and you didn't have to waste the whole decade <laughs> of your life looking at footage. You just, just be happy about that, please. <laughs> well, don't be sad. Okay. Don't be sad. I'll try my best. <laughs> Thank you both, Fools. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and if you'd like to take a look at our other work and people make games, you can find us over on YouTube, or if you'd like to support us directly, we're also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash people make games. Cheers very much.